Hello, and welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private, and I want to thank you for joining us. While government policies related to COVID-19 were initially focused on safety and flattening the curve, the race to reopen in order to accelerate spending and get the global economy back on its feet is facing a major test as U.S. cases rise at a rapid pace. It's important to note, though, that with states reopening, consumer spending, and businesses looking forward to increasing demand, the V-shaped recovery in the equity markets is finally getting some support from the economy. So what are the important catalysts in the near term that can help define the path for the second half of this year? The first are second quarter earnings reports. And in this podcast, I'm going to discuss three things that we are looking for over the next three to four weeks. First, it's important to acknowledge that expectations for earnings are very low. One of the challenges has been over the course of the last several months is that many companies have removed their guidance for the rest of the year. While intuitively this makes sense that companies with the amount of uncertainty that we have over the course of the next 6, 9, 12 months as it relates to the coronavirus would remove their guidance, this is actually a big deal. The SEC looks at guidance and what they call forward-looking statements as something that companies are held to to provide accurate information about their business in order to create a level playing field for investors. So the SEC, in allowing companies to remove their guidance and not necessarily holding them to guidance that they made in their uh, statements in January and February, for instance, really has allowed companies a lot of flexibility over the course of this year to essentially just report the facts and provide some level of narrative, although much less than what investors have been accustomed to over the last couple of years. Another thing creating this low level of expectations for this particular earnings season is just the massive economic shock that we saw in the second quarter globally. So with the the amount of activity or the decline in economic activity that was experienced in the quarter, the numbers that these companies are going to be reporting are going to be so seismically different than the last couple of quarters um, and, you know, certainly year over year comparisons are going to be quite dramatic. And so the the low expectations that we have are really based on, you know, the declines in economic activity that we have seen um, already in sort of monthly data. And this applies even to companies that were well situated coming into the global pandemic to potentially benefit from that. So large big box retailers that were selling consumer staples goods, uh, you know, video conferencing companies, uh, consulting companies that could potentially be utilized by larger corporations to create a sustainable work from home environment. All of that took a little bit of time in the first half of the quarter to get online and be able to pivot Uh, from the, you know, sort of previous three months into this three months in order to take advantage of that. So although there are likely companies that you're thinking about that have benefited from this shelter at home 
uh, work from home environment, they probably weren't able to benefit from that to the same extent that they would have been had they had a little bit more time to think about how to get in front of this economic pivot that we've experienced um, over the course of the quarter. So as a result of all of this, the typical emphasis on beats and misses will feel a lot different this quarter. So we're going to be looking for the second quarter earnings to create a baseline for earnings in the next several quarters at both the company level and for the market as a whole. Fundamental analysis relies on the extrapolation of information to determine valuation. While there are a number of techniques through which to achieve this, the reality is that without any guidance on the relative strength of the business, it is difficult to create these models and expect any real accuracy. One could offer the argument that in times of speculative behavior, which one could argue we're living in right now, high valuations are not a barrier to investing. But over the longer term, there tend to be benefits of fundamental assessment in the selection of stocks and asset classes to be included in a portfolio. So rather than continuing to rely on pre-COVID-19 assessments of businesses, companies will report their difficult Q2 results and then provide transparency on their outlook, which will help investors create expectations for the next two quarters, even if the companies do not choose to issue formal guidance. The second thing we are looking for out of Q2 earnings is evidence of an economic rebound. As I mentioned earlier, economic data is trending higher at a pretty rapid pace. There are questions, however, about whether the recovery can continue, given the fiscal stimulus that has been injected into the economy through direct cash payments, enhanced unemployment benefits, as well as housing protections. After these effects wear off, will the consumer take another step back? What about global trends? Are consumers in Europe and Asia better positioned because the virus has been better controlled there? This interplay between what consumers and companies are saying and what is borne out in the hard data is very important as we move through this summer. We have just experienced a severe disruption. This could lead to very strong sentiment surveys as people anchor to the most recent event and are optimistic that things will improve even if that improvement does not get them back to where we were prior to the crisis. So as much as we want to believe in the follow-through from this improved sentiment, we're not sure how much economic improvement we are actually going to have. One thing that company management teams could do to exhibit the durability of this improvement is through the announcement of capital expenditure or hiring plans. While it is likely that companies will remain in hunkered-down mode for at least the next several months given the threat of a second wave, Companies who may have been able to improve their capital or competitive situation over the last several months may be the first to go from defense to offense. And while Wall Street generally reacts negatively, at least at first, to increased CapEx, it would certainly provide anecdotal evidence that supports the recovery narrative. Finally, we are going to be looking at how companies are approaching capital allocation. One of the interesting dynamics that we have seen has been the relative underperformance of dividend-paying stocks over the last year. This begs the question, how important are dividends to investors, and how has that changed? 
While we don't believe this is a long-term trend that will create a permanent change in capital allocation, it is clear that the outperformance of growth stocks over value stocks, which I discussed in last week's podcast, has created an environment where investors are more focused on capital appreciation than current cash payouts. Another complication, particularly for investors who are focused on investing in dividend-paying stocks, is the underperformance of these names during the most recent crisis. Typically, during past market corrections, dividend-paying stocks have tended to go down less than the broad market, as investors view the payment of dividends as a reflection of balance sheet strength. However, a lot of dividend-paying companies were forced to cut or suspend their dividends during this period, and many of the large growth companies have been storing up cash and issuing low-cost debt over the last few years, creating the perception that they are now more secure. With that said, we are still in a low interest rate environment, and income is hard to come by, so dividends are still going to hold value. But maintaining a high dividend in the face of choppy cash flow may continue to be difficult, And if companies are not benefiting from that sacrifice in terms of their stock price, new approaches may emerge. So while it may seem that analysts and investors are looking past second quarter earnings, there is likely to be even greater scrutiny on the outlook and comments from company management than at any time in the recent past. Outperforming growth companies will need to indicate that their businesses remain insulated from the economic dislocation and more cyclical companies will need to provide investors with something constructive to build a foundation for owning them as we move through a potential second wave and the U.S. election. Either way, there will be a lot to read, hear, and evaluate in the next few weeks. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. I want to encourage all of you to reach out to our team here at Boston Private with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as a trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives on the markets, the economy, taxes, estate planning, and a variety of other topics by visiting bostonprivate.com. And while you're there, you can sign up to have all of this information delivered right to your inbox. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. And I look forward to coming to you once again from my home studio next week. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure. 
which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.